Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Football CU Podcast. This is Andrew here with you. And in today's episode, we're going to recap the Super Bowl, um, look at some numbers on that, and talk about the game a little bit. And also, we're going to look into preparation for next fantasy season and talk about some draft strategies to consider and maybe do some research on so you can be prepared for next year and have the most chance of success. But first, as we always do in every episode, we have to start with the Word of God. And today we're going to the book of Psalms, one of my favorite books. We're going to look at chapter 3, verse 3. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. Such an encouraging verse. You are a shield around me. God is a shield around us. And he lifts our head up when we're weary and just need some need some encouragement, need someone to help us. He is always there for us. I love that verse. So encouraging. Okay, now let's get into this here. Let's talk about the Super Bowl first. Um, so that was a kind of a slow game to begin with, but it ended with a lot, a lot of entertainment, a lot of drama. The Chiefs won in overtime. 25 to 22. Um, looking at the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, he looked like Patrick Mahomes. He he didn't really crush the 49ers defense as far as stats are concerned. He threw 46 passes, only 333 yards for 46 passes, two touchdowns, one interception. You, know, you think you could live with that to an extent, but where he really got him is with his legs. He had a lot of great first down runs. He had nine carries for 66 yards. He outrushed Isaiah Pacheco with half as many attempts. Pacheco was 18 for 59. Um, and he had so, Mahomes had so many clutch moments in that game where I was telling everyone that I was watching with and telling friends and family that were talking about the game. I said, man, every there's not a single second in that game where I didn't expect the Chiefs to win. I, I, I picked the 49ers. I was afraid that the Mahomes-Reed um, combo would be too much for him, but I picked the better overall team. I picked the 49ers, but I was afraid of Mahomes and Reed, and the whole time during that game, I thought, there's the Chiefs are going to win this thing. It's just everything's lining up, or they're going to win. The 49ers are not taking care of business enough to put the Chiefs away. And for the 49ers, um, also back to the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey had a pretty decent game. It wasn't amazing, but he had some clutch first down plays. He had nine catches, 93 yards. Um, McCall Hardman had 357 in that touchdown. I believe he had the winning touchdown um, to end the game in overtime. Um, and then for the 49ers, Brock Purdy played pretty well. I mean, it wasn't awful. He was 23 for 38, so, you know, he had some a few incomplete passes, but most of, most of those were because he was pressured. He had nowhere to turn. He threw for 255 and one touchdown, so not great, but he didn't turn the ball over. He didn't make any huge mistakes. He played well enough to win. They also had Juwan Jennings, who threw that one pass to McCaffrey for 21 yards and a touchdown. And McCaffrey himself, he was, he was great. He was fantastic. 22 carries, 80 yards, 8 catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. He showed up, but nobody else really did. 
for the 49ers, you look at their other superstars. You look at Ayuk, three for 49. That's it. Debo Samuel, three for 33, three rushes for eight yards. That's it. And the biggest one is George Kittle, only had two for four. Where were these guys? They needed to show up in the Super Bowl, and they just didn't do it. And that's the reason why they only put up 22 points. Um, there's a lot of other things in this game. People are pointing to a couple things, which I kind of disagree with. They're pointing to a big turning point, um, the blocked extra point. And I thought, well, I mean, that would have given the 49ers the lead instead of a tie. Um, but and actually, I think they had the lead with that. But that extra point would have put them up, um, I think, a touchdown instead of just six or something like that. Um, but the extra point, people thought, well, it would have been 23 to 22 and the 49ers would have won and it wouldn't have gone to overtime. No, that's not the case. Kansas City would have tried to score a touchdown instead of kicking a field goal to tie. Um, so I don't think that extra point was huge. I mean, it would have changed things maybe, but I don't really think it would have. Um, and another thing that people are pointing to is... Um, the decision in overtime to take the ball first as opposed to get the ball second. And I kind of agree with that notion. Um, and it should have worked out for the 49ers if they just converted in the red zone. But um, the reason why I would have probably done that too is because whoever gets the ball first, if they score, they don't win. So the other team gets the ball, and if they score, then the third possession could win. And the 49ers wanted that third possession, wanted first chance at winning with that third possession. A field goal or a touchdown would have won there. And so their mindset, let's get the ball first, go score a touchdown. That maximizes our chance of winning because either A, we stop the Chiefs from scoring a touchdown, we win, or B, we get the ball for the third time and any points wins. And that, to me, was a smart way to go. And they almost did it. They had the what first and goal from the nine and they just couldn't punch it in when they kicked that field goal i said this game is officially over now because the chiefs are going to march down the field score a touchdown boom bam boom they win and that's basically what happened um but it was a really good game overall i don't i don't expect the 49ers to be there next year honestly because they're going to be a little older their salary cap's going to be a little difficult i don't know we'll see they might but man, I think this might have been their best chance and they should have pulled it off, but they just couldn't do it. Okay, now let's talk about some fantasy football here. And I wanna start with draft preparation or even just season long preparation for next year specifically. I think it is vital to do that early. And in fact, I am a proponent of starting it now. Super Bowl is over, let's get ready for next year. Let's get ready for next fantasy season. So I'm talking about reviewing your past lineups from this past year, seeing what you did right, seeing what mistakes you made, what players on your team didn't really play very well where you drafted them, or what players really broke out and kind of carried your team and maybe they were a steal, a draft steal, a player that you didn't expect to play very well and has a chance to continue to do that. Lots of things to look into and keep note of in preparation for next season. Looking at the numbers, looking at where 
players into the season, the top 10 players at each position, seeing where they were drafted, kind of anticipating where they might be drafted next year, seeing some players that maybe are coming off of injury that might be a little bit of a good value draft pick because people are sleeping on them, what we call sleepers. Just doing all of that research, looking into that starting right now. That way you are prepared for when July, August, September comes around and we're doing our fantasy drafts and the season is starting, you are ready to dominate. And then speaking of preparation, let's look into some particular draft strategies and kind of what I looked at this year. Um, So I'm going to talk about the common ones and we're going to kind of go over what they are, the benefits, the downsides to each. um, And what I kind of me personally see is better the way that the kind of the football um, world is looking at right now. So first, let's talk about zero RB. Basically what that is, is you pass on running back till later in the draft, round rounds five, six or later. You focus in on receivers, maybe a tight end and a quarterback, then you look at your running backs because there are so many great receivers and usually, especially in PPR, you can normally get a really good running back, a receiving back late in the draft. Look at some examples from this past year. Rashad White, I believe he was probably around rounds four to six in that range, a great zero RP target. He was so good. Raheem Mostert, we got him, I don't even know, maybe at rounds 10 to 12, so late. And he was a top five back for most weeks. James Conner, another good example. He was probably around the same area of Rashad White, um, but we miss healthy. He was a top 15-ish back. He was really good, really good value where you got him. David Montgomery, he was, again, around the same area of Raheem Mostert, maybe a little bit earlier, but still, you got a starting running back. RB2 with RB1 upside so late in the draft and you're able to fill out your roster with so many other great players. Now the downsides to it, um, there aren't that many superstar running backs normally. This year, you know, Raheem Mostert, he um, ended up top five. You got him really late. I don't really expect running backs drafted so late that late especially to be top five that's kind of an outlier normally they're in that 15 to 20 range which is very doable to keep your team afloat in that position while your receivers or a tight end or superstar quarterback carries you but the downside of the running back position are there only a few elite ones and maybe you want to get one of those and you won't be able to do that with a zero rb strategy which takes us to the hero RB strategy. Um, What that is, is basically in the first two rounds, you secure one of those stud running backs, you know, like a Brees Hall, Christian McCaffrey. Um, Back in the day, he was Austin Eckler, maybe not anymore, um, but like Kyron Williams next year. One of those guys, you make sure you get one of them. And then you focus in on your other positions and draft your RB2 later again, maybe rounds five to six, something like that. But you have that anchor at running back that you know, okay, I have at least one elite running back. Now I can kind of fill out the rest of my roster and from there. 
The downside to this one is there's not really a lot of ceiling plays to go about with that because you're going to get a solid running back, but you're going to miss on so much talent at the wide receiver position in those first two rounds. And those guys can sometimes really win leagues. Um, so, I mean, but it's more the safer route to go, the hero RB, because you get a little best of both worlds. But if you do your research well enough, the zero RB or even the double RB strategy can be better than the safe hero RB strategy, which leads us to the double RB strategy. And the thought behind this is there's so many receivers, they're so deep, that we can get those later. Let's get two elite stud running backs that can dominate that position every week. We know, I don't care who I'm playing, I have a high chance of winning that position. My running backs are better than yours. So I got that, I got that position one, now I gotta figure out the rest. Um, and with the receivers being so deep, if you do your research well enough and you look at where their value is and you see, okay, I can get them here, I can get those there, I can make this work while your double RB, your studs at the beginning of the draft just carry you to victory. Talking like you get a Christian McCaffrey and a Jameer Gibbs. Think about that running your lineup. And then your receivers on the back end could be more like a Jordan Addison, a Rasheed Rice, maybe. Um, things things like that, guys of that nature. Maybe even Brennan Ayuk or Debo Samuel, the guys that just played in the Super Bowl. You know, some really good receivers, but not those superstars that you would have got in the first two rounds. That's the thought process on that one. Um, it's a really good strategy, and a lot of people have a lot of success in it. Um, and also, that leads us into a couple different ones that are maybe not as well known. And um, that's how to do strategy drafting your tight ends and your quarterbacks. Um, and things change year to year. So make sure you keep an eye on trends, what players there are, see how deep it is. But right now, the tight end position specifically, for right now, it is very deep. It's deeper than it's ever been. And probably tight ends aren't going to really be starting to get drafted till rounds three, four at earliest would be round two. And that's because of how deep it is. And you can kind of wait a little bit. Last year and the year before, year before that, it was, okay, I need to get Kelsey. If I don't get Kelsey, I need to get Andrews. If I don't get Andrews, I need to get Hawkinson. If I don't get one of those three, I'm in trouble. It's not going to work out well for me. And it's not that way anymore because now you have Laporta, you have Kelsey, you have Andrews, you have Hawkinson coming off his injury. He probably won't be there all year. Um, you still have Kittle, who is fine. Um, you have Kyle Pitts, who is going to have an actual offensive coordinator now. You have Goddard, who's pretty solid. You have Kincaid, who is coming up as a rookie this year. You have Trey McBride, who looked great toward the end of the year. There are so many tight ends now. And with Brock Bowers in the draft, he could very well be a top 10 tight end as well. So with the tight end strategy itself is don't reach for anybody. If you're in the round three or four and there's a Kelsey or an Andrews that just falls to you or even Laporta hasn't been drafted yet, awesome. 
get one of those guys and be happy about it. But if you don't, you don't reach, you can just kind of wait, maybe get a top four guy, and if not, wait till later, and just find one that kind of matches the value. Because if you don't get one of those top four, the next chunk of guys are gonna be very similar, and you don't have to reach. Don't go, oh man, I gotta get a tight end. It's not that crazy, unless there's a big run on tight ends where it has been like four in a row drafted, and you think, okay, I just got to get one now or I'm going to lose that. All right, I understand that. But I wouldn't anticipate that happening um, unless you're in a tight end premium league, which we'll talk about next week. Um, but yeah, I mean, tight ends are so deep now that if you don't get one of those top four, you can wait a little bit, fill out your roster until it kind of seems right. Then it's kind of similar with the quarterback draft strategy for next year. It's been getting deeper and deeper, and the top of the top is kind of getting, I don't know, kind of deeper and more spread out at the same time. So um, specifically with quarterbacks, um, there's kind of a top four area. There's you know Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes might not be there anymore. He's still a top 10, maybe even top five guy, but the way that... Chiefs team is playing right now. They're playing great defense, running the ball. And Mahomes is just doing Mahomes things, winning games. He's not throwing for 404 touchdowns like he used to be. So he might not be a top five guy anymore. But look how many guys there are. There's CJ Stroud. He's top 10. Easy. There's Brock Purdy. He's probably top 10. There's Jordan Love. He's probably top 10. Mark Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, those are the top three. Joe Burrow, when he's healthy, he's top ten. Herbert, Fields, both those guys are probably top ten. Cousins, Goff, they're probably top twelve. So there's so many quarterbacks that if you don't get one of those top four, you can wait. Now, if one of those top four kind of fall to you and it seems like the value's there, absolutely. Strike while the iron's hot. Go grab one of them. Have them lead you to fantasy success, but don't reach. And don't reach for those other tier guys either. Just kind of draft for value, and you can wait on that quarterback position um, because they're so deep. And then with defenses and kickers, if they're if you're playing a league with those in them, which most likely you are, they're very popular. Keep those in. Um, don't don't be that guy and draft them early just to fill out a starting spot. No, no, no. You get your bench filled out. You get those dart throws that might be a starter if something crazy happens and you're so glad they're on your team. Get your defense and kicker the very last two rounds, please, I'm begging you. I don't know how many times I see people drafting kickers in the eighth round and I'm thinking, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Justin Tucker, I don't care how great he is, does not need to be drafted in the eighth or ninth round. That is insane. So please, please, please don't be that guy. So with all that being said, my favorite draft strategy is probably the zero RB. Double RB is a close second, but zero RB for me has been what I've been doing here the past few years. And that's because I want to get two superstar wide receivers if I can, or at least one and um, maybe a tight end or a quarterback in the second round. Because those superstar stud receivers or quarterbacks normally are so much higher than the rest of the position, especially the value at running back up there, that I want to get those 
when I can. I want to get a Tyreek Hill. I want to get a Justin Jefferson. I want to get a CeeDee Lamb. I want to get the top of the top receiver duo because this game is a passing game now. And those guys are killing it as far as scoring fantasy points. Um, and I believe in myself and the way I research well enough to know that I can get a really good running back later that can do well enough, score me 10 to 15 points, maybe push for 17 to 18 every game, and my receiver is scoring 25 to 30, carry me to victory. And the running back position gets injured so often. Now, everyone gets injured, of course. I mean, look at Justin Jefferson last year, drafted one, number one overall. He missed, what, nine games? Eight games, whatever it was. It happens. But usually, their running backs get injured more because they're getting more touches. They're getting hit more. Those big defensive linemen and linebackers. It happens at more chance for injury with running backs. And I want to make sure my number one pick has the highest chance of not being hurt. So that's most likely a receiver. So, yeah, I, I've been doing zero RB for a while. I've had a lot of success with it, but you have to do your research. You know what you're doing. And with running back injuries, the starting running back gets hurt. Their backup is going to be a solid RB2. So you can pick them up for free and free agency in the, on the waiver wire. So that's kind of why I've been going the zero RB way or or the double RB way because wanting to stack those two superstar running backs and wide receivers are so deep. I know I can get one later or get a couple later and kind of fill up my roster that way. I'm usually the one that waits on quarterback and waits on tight end unless one falls to me. I want to focus on receivers. I usually want to get three receivers before I get a quarterback or a tight end, maybe sometimes even a running back because the flex spot I want as a receiver as well. So that's what I focus on. I love the zero RB strategy. It's been giving me a lot of success and I'm going to continue to use it as long as the draft board falls my way. Now I'm not going to only do it if I'm the number, I don't know, number five pick and there's Christian McCaffrey sitting there in my in front of my face. I'm not going to pass on that. But I expect him not to be there and me to get a receiver. So that's that's the way I go about it. I draft for value with secondary thoughts of having a strategy in mind. So draft for value first, utilizing a draft strategy to try to get the value out of every position. But that's my draft strategy. Um, if you want to utilize some of those and you want more details on it, um, I'd be happy to um, answer any questions on my public forums on my website, or you can look into the courses that I've made that dive deep into why these have success, some teams I've used for these, and what you can do to have success with these strategies. But enough about fake football. Now let's get real. And I want to talk about standing firm until the end, standing firm and not giving up because life is tough and we're going to go through some things and we want to give up, but we don't need to do that. We need to stand firm. We need to stand strong and fight till the end. Um, let's look at some scripture to start with. Psalm 31, 24, be strong and let your heart, heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Stand strong and wait for the Lord. 
Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. In due season if we do not give up. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. James 1, 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. This kind of brings up that image, um, that picture that's that's been going around the internet. You see on a lot of encouraging, um, encouraging little memes or gifts that people send out on social media, where you see those two miners that are digging underground, digging straight paths, and they're both right there at the end. And you see on the other side, or they can't see, but you see on the other side, there's diamonds. And you see one sweating, carrying his pickaxe, walking away, while the other is still striking. And they're both literally like two hits away from those diamonds. We don't know how close we are to pushing through to success, to pushing through to the end, pushing through to finish what we tried to start. We don't know. Only God knows. But what we can do is have, just have the strength, have the will to not give up and keep pushing because we know that God is with us. And if God has led us to wherever we're at, that relationship, that job, that dream, that goal, If you truly believe and know that God has led you there, you keep fighting. Don't give up because he is with you. And if he led you there, he will see you through to the end and see you through to overcoming whatever obstacle that is in your way. For example, um, for me, with having this podcast, I've always kind of wanted to talk about football, talk about fantasy football, because I love it so much and I've had success with it. And I want to share and help others. And I didn't know how I could do that. Um, I would just do locally with some friends and help them out with their leagues, but I wanted to do more. And then I started to learn about online courses, online websites, podcasts, and it was very overwhelming to learn it all. But I thought, no, I truly feel like this is where God is leading me because of my ability of understanding and my knowledge of the sport and of the game and having the will to just push through and learn it. And here I am. I have a podcast. I have a website. And I love every second of it. And there are times when in the morning I get up, I make these I make these podcast episodes usually on Friday mornings or Saturday mornings, one of the two. There are times when I get up and I'm thinking, man, I really don't feel like making another episode today. But I don't let that take over. I push forward. I say, no, I'll make another episode because this is what God has led me to. To talk about some fantasy football and talk about some real things on the end to try to give some encouragement to his people that want to hear it. So whatever you're going through, don't give up. Stand firm. Keep pressing until you overcome the obstacle and you can give God the glory. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining me. 
Um, again, just visit my website if you have any further questions on fantasy or there's a prayer spot where I'd be happy to pray for you. Um, and I have lots of courses that teach about fantasy football and getting you preparation for next year. Um, next week, we will look at some different um, some different fantasy football formats you can look at because there's a lot out there. We're going to talk about all the popular ones and some not-so-popular ones. So be sure to check out next week's episode. Thank you guys so much for joining in. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.